Uh, Brian Harson has a podcast now? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us as he does every Monday, Lindsey Crosby, writer for AuburnDaily.com, also the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. Uh, we're going to talk about Tank Bigsby. We're going to talk about Auburn baseball, getting a regional. But first things first, Lindsay, we're all just chilling Sunday afternoon, the day before Memorial Day, spending time with our family. And then Brian Harson just drops the bomb saying, hey, I've got a podcast now. And you can hear the first episode where I talked to offensive coordinator Eric Kiesau about life and leadership and his coaching career. Um, the general response to this, Lindsay, is overwhelmingly positive. A ton of excitement, a ton of people saying they can't wait to listen. But man, you and I were kind of um, kind of cracking up a little bit before we press record. I mean, this guy, since the debacle of the offseason, you know, th- that happened a few months ago, seems like forever ago at this point. I mean, just a total 180, pulling out everything he could possibly do to say, hey, I like it here. Hey, I'm really likable. Um, give me some love, Auburn folks. Man, he's knocking out of the park. He's doing every single thing that you can do to be accessible to the fans, to the players, to the recruits, everything except talk to local media. (laughs) I don't know what it is. He's like, I don't have to give them an interview. I'll just make my own podcast. Yeah, that's right. So they get quotes from me. That's right. Um, He's like, I can do what Zach does. It's easy. Watch. I mean, even the... um you know, even the the local interview that he's given, it was with the War Report. Mike G talked about it a little bit last week when he came on the show. What a get, too. But Mike G had, like, props to the War Report, guys. I asked once when he was hired, and Kirk was like, yeah, there's a long list. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Um, Mike G was just like, hey, every day, every day, every day. And, and it worked out. After rescheduling several times, he finally got it. But, like, yeah, the... When he announced, I was like, okay, well, what can he talk about, right? Because, like, what people want to hear are opinions on things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he can't give an opinion on if so-and-so underperforms in spring practice. Like, he, he can't do that. Right. And then, you know, he also, it's against, it's, it's an NCAA violation for him to talk about recruits. So, it's like, what is he actually going to talk about here? Um, and in listening to it, um, it's about an hour and 15 minutes. And it's just a conversation cool. of him kind of asking Eric Kiesau about his career and he kind of, you know, gives his life story or his coaching life story. And, um, it made me like coach key sound more. Um, coach keys is what we're going with now. Um, made me really kind of connect with him a little bit. It's like, cool. You know, you, you talk, you, you hear him talking about the early stages in, in their career where they're like talking about, you know, making like 17 grand a year, you know, being like the head of recruiting at Oregon kind of thing and, and all of that. And then, um, then they transition to talking about leadership. And then Harson loves that stuff, right? And so does so does Coach Keys. And so they talked about, you know, the different forms of leadership and the importance of having, you know, being a good follower if you're not necessarily the leader in the room and just culture and, you know, having the people next to you's back kind of thing. Um, and then they shared a few recruiting stories um, about, you know, how he connected with 
Deshaun Jackson kind of thing over at Cal. And that was kind of the gist of the entire thing. There was hardly any Auburn mentioned. It was more of a, you know, a Boise State podcast probably than anything else. But the goal here is very obvious, right, Lindsay? What they're trying to do is very, very clear. And it's connect with people. And so you're seeing him talk with his friends, his buddies, his, you know, I guess his employees at this point. And I think it came across that way. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, this is something where part of the knock on him had been like literally everything was football and there was nothing but football. You didn't hear anything about him that was not talking about a practice or a game or whatever. And so part of this now becomes, let's talk about, you know, we're still talking about football in the 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 macro, but right. micro. We're talking about leadership and our experiences and humanizing a bit. And I guarantee you, I mean, th- this really feels like somebody went to him and said, "You need people need to learn more about who you are as a person, yeah, not a football coach." Well, and, and so, and, and I just want to be clear here, though. Like, I don't think the first episode of the podcast did that. I think it will. It did for Eric Kiesau. Coach Harson didn't really talk a whole lot. Um, so I, I don't know what the next steps of that looks like. You know, you got to yeah. assume he'll have Coach Schmetting on next. Um, go OC, then DC. I think that would make sense. Um, but I, I would love to hear Harson talk more. I think mm-hmm. that would achieve more of what they're clearly trying to go for. Yeah, and I, I'm curious to hear some of the other coaches and kind of what order they're in. You know, some of the non-Boise guys versus the Boise guys. Totally. I'm also really curious to hear if after the draft, if they have some Auburn players who are selected come on and talk about their time with Harson and what he did to build them into a draftable player mm-hmm. to kind of help that recruiting profile. That's something where I think that's a prime opportunity to take this. Don't limit it to just coaches. Right. You know, give us support staff, give us players when appropriate uh, who can advance kind of the mission, which the mission here is to get players um, onto campus win games yeah so I think there's a this is a conduit to do that it's a unique conduit one Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any other uh, college coach that has their own podcast I've seen college coaches teach classes um but I've uh, Mike Leach had a class right at Washington State about um it's like military history or something right military history and military tactics and kind of how you could apply that in football it was really interesting actually uh but Never seen a podcast until now. So he's uh, he's encroaching on both. Like He's encroaching on your livelihood. Does that make you angry, Zach? Does that, uh, no, no, because it? it's, it's not the same. Th- I mean, they didn't talk football. I mean, they, they talked like about careers yeah. and stuff. It's more of a leadership podcast. And there's a ton of leadership podcasts out there. But Oh, yeah, there are. Um, but it is interesting. Like, who who was this to, right? Is this to Auburn fans? Is it to recruits? Is it to recruits slash players' parents? Is it to young coaches? About three-fourths of the way through, they started giving advice to young coaches that were listening. So, like, I don't really know what it's designed. I know what it's designed to do. I don't know who it's designed for. Um, Yeah. But still, I I think it's a net positive for sure. I'm curious to see how consistent it is. Is it going to be a a once-a-week thing? Is it going to be just whenever it happens? But still, um, there's a lot to like about it. Um the, the the only part that I thought was relevant to like what this show talks about was uh there was a point when they were talking about, you know, like going through the, you know, the dirt part of the career, the grind part of the career where, you know, you're not making any money and you're working, you know, if you're awake, you're working kind of thing. Um, 
about just finding a way to make it work. And when stuff happens, like you got to adapt. And it's like, man, is this what you're doing right now, coach? Like <laughs> you're finding a way to make it work. Um, whatever it takes, uh, find a way. And I, I kind of laughed when I heard that. I, I don't think that's what was implied, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. So um, check it out. It, it, it's nothing like this show, but if you love Auburn, you love Coach Harson, I think you'll enjoy it. Huddle with Hars. Huddle with Hars. Huddle with Hars. Uh, does that mean we're allowed to call him that now? Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to do it. Because, I mean, not to his face. No, I'm not at all. But, like, can I just, like, is it okay to reference him as Hars now instead of Coach Harson? Coach Brian Harson? You know, can I just say Hars? Maybe. Is the strategy there that Hars is more approachable than Harson? Is, is, is that the messaging maybe, there? Maybe they're different people. Like Charlie Coach Fox Harson talked about the that guy before. on Saturday. Yeah, Charlie Fives quoted, um, I think it was Eli Drinkwitz, um, Missouri's coach, about how uh, Harz is a great guy, but Brian is a jerk kind of thing. It's like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We all act like different people based on where we are. So, uh, But there you go. I thought that was interesting. Coach Harson, that's a podcast. Uh, in a moment, I want to talk about Tank Bigsby. I mean, I don't think we realize how good he is until you just see some of these numbers. And there was a stat that Pro Football Focus put out there that I want to talk about. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info, whether it's golf or now the NBA Finals have been set. What a game seven last night. Uh, but I mean, even with fights and NFL futures, college football futures, Heisman odds, they've got everything over at Bet Online, even esports, if you're into that sort of thing. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lindsey Crosby, pro football focus over the weekend. They tweeted out the following. Tank Bigsby has 57 runs of 10 plus yards since 2020. That's second among SEC running backs. And when you take into account, he missed playing time in 2020 due to, you know, that was his freshman year. He missed some playing time due to an injury on um, that hip injury against Tennessee. And then, I don't think he got as many touches as he should have a year ago. They kind of went chunks of relevant game time without putting him on the field or giving him the ball. And then also, you know, the offensive line in front of him is, I would say, below average at run blocking. And the fact that he's able to be um, a type of back that can have that much burst and consistently get runs of over 10 yards is incredible. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I... I will admit the 57 10 plus was not, I didn't hear that and wasn't blown away. Second among SEC running backs, that's what blew me away. That's the perspective of it all. It's like, this is really good. Yeah, like, wow. Okay. I'm like, because 57, you don't have any context. But I have a question for you, and you probably have the answer. This is kind of more of a challenging some of the assumptions here. So, and there's a great piece at auburndaily.com that talks about this. 
this article and some of these, you know, some of these stats. And in the piece, you know, and you touched on it, below average offensive line, yet he still does this. So the, the piece also goes on to mention that Tank Bigsby had an 81.8 grade last year, which right. was the highest on the offense. Led the offense, right. Second on the offense was Jarquez Hunter right. with an 80.9. So my question is now, those two grades, does that mean that Jarquez, Jarquez is potentially a talent on the level of Tank Bigsby? Or does that mean that maybe our offensive line isn't as bad as everybody thought they were? Because a back that is not as good as Tank still was able to perform pretty well uh, behind that line. Well, you know, Pro Football Focus, the same group that's giving these high ranks to these running backs, they do not like our running game or our run blocking for our offensive linemen. So, okay. Um, I, before we move forward, um, much smaller sample size, only 14 snaps, but you want to guess who number three was? Uh, 14 snaps? Oh, yeah. wow. It was Sean Jackson, another running back. So I thought that was kind of funny. Then it was Bo Nix, which is also funny. Who, who just earned a scholarship for his great play. So there that makes go. sense. There you go. That makes sense. Um, I think Jarquez Hunter's just, yeah, I think he's really good. <laughs> I think he's really, really good. And I almost feel like we put him in a better situation to succeed at times than we did Tank. Because Tank, it was more of a like, okay, we need you to run between the tackles and we need you to, you know, you know, we're not really going to do anything special with you because we don't have to. Jarquez, yeah. I think we use a little bit more in the passing game. Um, we skinned it up a bit too. I think him. so. I think so. And that's nothing against Jarquez Hunter. I mean, the fact that he did what he was able to do as a freshman, I think is really, really good. Um, but yeah, so I would say that's more on Jarquez, not our running, our, our run blocking being better than we think it is. So, I mean, what pro football focus is looking at, right, is how can, can these running backs and wide receivers create their own opportunities, create their own yards and create, um, separation from the defenders. And there's a bunch of different ways to do that. I mean, you could do that by falling forward consistently. You could do that by scheme or you don't have to do anything at all because the coaching staff drew up something really nice. Um, or you could do that with like natural speed. And I think Jarquez is a little bit faster than Tank. Um, Tank's just not that kind of runner. Um, but Tank's patience and his understanding of how guys are moving around him is so special. And he's also a freak athlete. Like, let's don't discredit that either. Um, and in that same article, Lindsay, the next line is Tank led an offensive rating in 2020 as well as a true freshman. We I mean, think about that. That's crazy. Can I point out that the more successful backs from the Gus Malzahn regime were the type of backs like a carry on Johnson, like a tank Bigsby that had that patience and were able to wait for a play to develop and then pick a spot and go like, that's a trend that I've seen to have noticed that we talked about these guys in that manner. Yeah. Guys that tend to do that. And so part of me wonders, was that something that, that Gus Malzahn specifically looked for? Or was that just something that those players happened to have that he took? You know, you know? I, I think it's so funny because, I mean, we, we think about carry on. And then Booby Whitlow tried to do it and it didn't work um, yeah. because it's hard. What carry on did was so hard. And I think we got used to seeing that. But, like, Trey Mason wasn't like that. No. Peyton Barber. Trey Mason hit the hole incredibly fast yeah one cut guy absolutely would have been great in the nfl if he didn't have off-field stuff going on and then like 
Peyton Barber wasn't like that. He was the same way. In fact, he was like so eager to draw contact that like he would miss he would miss the hole from time to time. And then he got better at the NFL with it. Um, even like Ben Tate though, Ben Tate was a little bit more patient. He he could do a little bit of everything, but uh, Cameron Artis Payne was the same way. He just wanted to get to the line of scrimmage and fall forward, and he did a great job at it. Um, yeah. So you know, it, it's just kind of interesting how Auburn has been able to create different types of running backs because Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter are not the same. They're not the same yeah. at all. And you, and you want your backs to be different, right? Because you want the defense to have to adjust what they're doing and predict what you're doing based on different type of running back. That's why I love Sean Shivers' role. Um, don't know if we really have that next. That's why it's going to be fun to see who takes that number three running back spot. Is it Sean Jackson? Damari Austin moved in over the weekend. Is it going to be him? I think he's going to be given every absolute chance that he possibly can. You know, does his he doesn't seem that much different than the other two. Um, can he be a change of pace type back? I'm not sure. Um, but still, there, there's, a, there's a lot to like about this. But, you know, with all the offseason rumblings about this team, about questions at wide receiver and questions about the offense and questions at quarterback, I mean, literally every position except for tight end and running back, I, just, I don't think we're talking about how stinking special Tank Bigsby is enough. And, and I just wanted to devote a few minutes to that today. Yeah, I don't think I, I necessarily... I think it's a byproduct of him not being used as much as he could have been used last year. And I have full confidence that if we had used him in those key situations where we're all at home screaming, run the ball, run the ball, get the ball to tank. Right. I think that maybe it's a little more forefront about, oh, hey, he did this. He did this so many times, et cetera, et cetera. But we just didn't use it. And so sometimes you kind of forget that, no, he's a special player. And the more you feature him, the better your offense is going to do in 2022. Uh, And, and, I'm not going to go as far as to say the fate of the offense rests on Tank's production, but I do think it's easy to say the more you involve Tank Bigsby, the better the offense will be. I mean, you got to think that, right? Yeah. Um, this is interesting, though. I'm just looking at the pro football focus numbers right now, and overall, Tank is the highest, and then on running plays, it's not even close. When he's on the field and a running play is called, his grade is over an 86, which is crazy. Amazing. But when, a, when he's on the field in a passing situation, it's 51, which isn't great. Jarquez Hunters, however, when he's on the field in a passing situation, it's a 76.9. And like, I think that right there, I think that right there is the difference as far as how these guys are going to be used. And I also think that plays into the scheme thing that we talked about a second ago. Does that factor in pass blocking as well? Because Jarquez, yeah. just from my, my brief mentions or my brief memories of him, I seem to remember he was he was decent at pass blocking. And Jar- I think Jarquez's where- pass blocking grade is fifty three. <laughs> I was wrong. Um, for context, though, Tanks is thirty four. Okay, like that number so is red great on it. his chart. Um, yeah. he's the pig with the lipstick. Okay. <laughs> um, I actually thought Sean Shivers was good at that, but Sean Shivers is a twenty six out of a hundred on pass block last year. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why the pass rush was so bad. I don't know. I don't think he had very many opportunities, and so I think if you have one or two like glaring breakdowns, the sample size is so small, it drags Yeah, that that's definitely down. true. That's definitely true. Um, all right, yeah, Auburn baseball secured a regional over the weekend, and based on when you were tuning in on this Monday, this Memorial Day, um, you'll either be waiting for uh, who Auburn baseball will be playing, or you'll already know. But still, we'll just talk big picture when we approach this conversation right here on Locked on Auburn. 
Before we jump into that, though, I want to encourage you to check out auburndaily.com. Lindsay covers baseball there. You know, I cover football and basketball there, writing for Sports Illustrated about all things Auburn. Be sure to check that out. Also, would love for you to join the Lockdown Auburn Discord. The link to that will be in the episode description down below. Lindsay Crosby, Auburn baseball, securing a top 16 seed, meaning they will host a regional this weekend. It's big. Uh, it's something where, and we've talked about this on this show, I mean, for over a month now. You needed 18 SEC wins to lock down hosting a regional. You yeah. finished with 17. Um, disappointing fashion, obviously. You go into the Kentucky weekend with 16, and it's like, okay, you just got to win two games and you're good. You won one, it's like, okay, SEC tournament, win some games and you're good. You didn't, you won and done. Out. Right. But uh, one game was enough for them to make it. Uh, the SEC got four spots, which I think really helped Auburn. Uh, Florida had a great tournament as far as as far as they knocked off Alabama, they knocked off Texas A&M, who I think is probably a national seed at this point. Uh, and so I think that fourth SEC spot really helped Auburn. I'd imagine we're probably the 15 or 16 seed, probably the la- one of the last teams to get that regional spot. Sure. But we got it. Right. So it's great. Um, and we're going to have some some uh, great baseball this weekend at Plainsman Park. First time we've hosted a regional um, in over a decade. 2010. 2010 was 2010. the last year, which is crazy because Auburn baseball has had some pretty good seasons since then including a world's uh, a trip to Omaha in 2019. So um, they've just done it via the road. And I think the year before that, they went to a super, if I recall correctly. So, I mean, yep. we've had some pretty good squads, but the fact that, you know, they're top 16 going into the tournament, that's that's huge. That's huge. What do you make of the pitching situation going into this? What do you expect the rotation to be? Okay, so I know that they've done some work over the last couple of days while they've been back from the tournament mm-hmm. to get all get everybody some work in. Uh, Gonzalez didn't get a bunch of work. Um, Mason Barnett didn't get a bunch of work. But the plan now is Joseph Gonzalez is going to be either game one or game two starter. He's going to move up. Obviously, the format of um, of the regional double elimination you at best you're guaranteed two games mm-hmm. so take your best pitcher throw him in one of those uh, i also and know winning, that- and winning your first game is extremely important winning your second one if you win the first two games because one and four play each other two and three mm-hmm. play each other auburn will be a one right so they will play the four yep the two losing teams play each other and then that loser of that game is out the two winners play each other and then if you win that game, you essentially get a bye because the loser of the winner games have to play the winner of the two losers. And then the winner of that plays you. And you still have two losses um, to give before you're knocked out. And you only have to win one. They would have to win two. And they also have pitched an extra nine innings plus. So that's, you know, you, you want to win that first one for sure. But if you can win that first two, you pretty much are going to win the regional. And this whole thing happens over a weekend. Yeah. I mean, this is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you are in that loser's bracket and you are trying to win the regional, you play up to four games in three days. So Joseph Gonzalez going early, uh, important for Auburn. He's shown a lot of depth. So he's he leads the rotation in average innings per game. Yeah. We talked about this in the Auburn Daily Piece, breaking this down. Uh, so that's great. And then... In the rotation now, or an option in the rotation, is reliever Carson Skipper. It's something where, with Tommy Sheehan, he was brought in to be the lefty starter. 
It hasn't worked out. He's in the bullpen now, and he's pretty solidified in that role. He's good in that role of long man out of the pen who can give you four innings, uh, minimize the damage, keep you in the game. So Carson Skipper, who has not started in the regular season since 2019, he started on Tuesday in the SEC tournament. Uh, He is in the process of working a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. to be ready to start in a regional. If you face a, a lineup with a lot of lefty bats, you want to bring in a lefty pitcher to face them, Carson Skipper is going to be that guy. Uh, So I feel good about you have identified now four starting pitchers for the max four games you may have to play in a regional. Uh, And I feel good about all four. I feel good about where these guys are, Trace Bright, Mason Barnett, but obviously having Joseph Gonzalez go first is huge because like you said, winning that first game is key to having uh, the best possible path through the regional. Yeah. What does this say about the program? Lindsay, regardless of what else happens this postseason, because we're kind of limited at the time of us recording this, and when the show goes up, we can't speculate on you know who Auburn is drawn, you know is has drawn, and you know I'll try to get you on later in the week so we can preview this. But just as far as you know, Auburn was projected to be either second to last or last in the conference based on you know who you listen to going into the season, and they are hosting a regional. I mean that's that's pretty incredible in the Southeastern Conference. I mean an absolute gauntlet um, and Auburn show they belong on the national stage. And so they're awarded some more home games. Yeah, it's, it's so if you go back and you look at Butch Thompson's history at Auburn, this isn't that surprising, but I think what threw everybody off is obviously 2020 shut down. And then 2021, you had pitching issues. Mm-hmm. And so you made it to the SEC tournament. You were one and done there. You didn't make the postseason. So I think that that, a lot of the national media has a big, big recency bias because there's there's no way you can watch all of college baseball games. No. I'm a call, I'm a voter in the postseason awards, and I had to go look up stats for some of these guys before I cast ballots. Yeah, and I still don't want to share my entire ballot because I missed some stuff. Oh, um, yes, yeah, so, I'm sure a lot of people did though. Like you said, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. There's a lot. I mean, there's 64 teams in this tournament, and of that, 31 of them were conference winners. So there's 31 conferences playing D1 baseball. Uh, I think it's something where a lot of people looked at the 2021 record and not Butch Thompson's track record. And they Mm -hmm. didn't understand the context behind that 2021 record with all of the pitching injuries and the lack of availability and having to put guys in roles they weren't ready for. So uh, this is something, and and Butch addressed this earlier in the year with us when he was talking to me uh, in one of the media availabilities about so much of the preseason rankings and the early season, and even midseason rankings, is all based off of what you did last year. Mm-hmm. They You start off, you don't start off with a clean slate. You start off with, this is what last year's team did, and then here's who you added, and here's who you lost. And sure. so I think next year, you're going to look at an Auburn team going, to the post-se- uh, going into the, the beginning of the season. It's probably going to be ranked based off of what it does this year. And going to have a little more respect. I don't think you'll get an end of like a last in the conference projection again um, because of that recency bias. But that team was always better than that that mm-hmm. finishing last in the conference. And they knew that. And that was a little bit of fuel, a little bit of bulletin board material for these guys. Right. So I'm excited to see what they do this weekend. I think there's a good chance they're going to get some of the Uh, A bunch of Southern teams, I think maybe like a a Southeastern Louisiana, Kennesaw State, maybe some teams like that in their draw. I don't think they're going to have another Power 5 opponent. If they are seated where I think they are, 
Uh, I think they're probably going to avoid some of those power five opponents. They're going to have some lower conference opponents. So it's set up well uh, for them to win the original and hopefully advance to the supers. Yeah, that'd be huge. That would be huge. And then obviously we'll be able to see who Auburn will take on hypothetically in the supers. If they're that 16 seed, like some people are saying, um, a potential trip to Knoxville. Um, But hey, there's always a chance that Tennessee loses theirs and Auburn gets the host super regional. There's always a chance. There's always a chance. Not counting on it. It could happen. It could happen. Weirder things have happened. Um, Lindsay, how can people find you, hear you, read you, support you, all that stuff? All right, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked on MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. It's on Twitter at uh, Locked on Farm. You can read the Auburn baseball writing, auburndaily.com, merch at aushirts.com, uh, and coming up soon, a big announcement about MLB. Ooh, it's going to be crazy. Stick around and follow him um, so you don't miss that. That's Lindsey Crosby joining us as he does every Monday. Follow me on Twitter at ZBlackerby. I write at auburndaily.com as well. And we'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.